What would you do if you broke into somebody's car and what you stole turned out to be haunted? What? And then we traveled to the Philippines to go on patrol with the local police there. We think it's just going to be a routine night of pulling over drunk drivers and beating people up. But it turns out we're about to come face to face with a terror from beyond reality. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command with his head held high. Everyone give it up to one of our Christmas livestream contributors, Bishy Boshi. Woohoo, yeah! Come on in, Bishy Boshi. Walking on into Dead Rabbit Command. Bishy, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread, or the live stream, just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Like I said, I'm going to be doing, uh, there's going to be these next two episodes, a week more of original episodes, and then two weeks of classics. I have to go on vacation. It's this big thing, so I won't be recording stuff while being in another city, but I'm trying to give you as much content as possible. Two weeks of classics episodes, and then one week off where there'll be no new stuff. I'll still be doing the TikToks on the YouTube channel if you guys want to follow me there. But I'm, I plan on doing at least one live stream, possibly two, because I want to keep you guys entertained. And I just also just took a two-week break, and I hate uh, leaving you guys. So we'll probably be doing at least one live stream, maybe two. So if you want to be a part of that, Subscribe on the YouTube channel so you will be alerted when that happens. I guess I should give you guys dates, right? I'm like, ah, I don't know when I want to do it. I guess I should figure that out. I'll, I'll announce that next week. Bishy Bashi, let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command and glide all the way out to Thailand. We're headed out to Thailand. Specifically, we're going to a place called Muang. And it's July 12th, 2022. So very, very recent story. There's this scrapyard in Muang. So the cops are like, okay, that car got destroyed. Bring it on into the scrapyard. And then the giant crane picks up the car. And it's like, Okay, I've never ever been to a scrapyard. I've only seen them in cartoons and the movie 13 Ghosts. This is how I imagine they are, right? You have like a burly guy sitting in a hot, sweaty booth. And he's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he's not even working there. That's just some guy who lives in this sweat lodge. And then you have the actual boss. You just have a normal guy. He's waving to us. We're waving at him, too. Someone else is controlling the crane. And like cars are getting crushed and turned into little cubes. That happens, right? That's what happens at scrapyards. But at this this scrapyard, uh, maybe things are different, or maybe this is how scrapyards normally are. What happened was, back on July 12th, 2022, at this scrapyard, the scrapyard owner, we don't have his name. This story's really interesting, because although we don't have the names of the participants, this story was widely reported in Thailand. I found multiple sources, video footage of this stuff, so it's a story that's not an urban legend. Like, you will see in the show notes, you'll see clips that you can click on and watch the video of the events that are about to unfold. Uh, well, <laughs> okay, I should say part of the events, right? Because you're like, what? 
that part. That was the most interesting part. How come that wasn't on video? Okay. So we're at this scrapyard and we're going to meet this scrapyard owner. Let's just call him Tony. And Tony's out walking around one day through the scrapyard. He's like, oh, all these cars, so many cars, so little time. I, I probably should get to work instead of walking around waxing poetic about my job. I probably should get to work. He's walking around the scrapyard, though, and he sees sitting out in just in between these two cars, a giant stuffed Hello Kitty doll. And this thing's like a good three feet tall. It's it's pretty big. And he's like, what in the world? He's looking at the Hello Kitty doll. Now, the Hello Kitty doll he's quite familiar with. It's not that he didn't expect to see a Hello Kitty doll at the scrapyard. There is a Hello Kitty doll at the scrapyard. But the curious thing is, is for the past month, it's been sitting in a car about, I don't know, 10 feet away, 20 feet away. But here it is sitting. It's been removed from that car that's been sitting at the scrapyard for a month. And here it is on the ground. And he's like, what? How did it end up on the ground? He goes and he decides to check the video footage. So he begins watching the video footage and he goes, interesting, interesting. Let's go back in time to just the month previous. May 2022. So so a little more than a month, right? May 2022. A young woman was driving her car. And in the back seat, she... This is so crazy that this is a real story. It sounds like an urban legend. But again, there's video footage of this. Not this part. The video footage shows... Okay, I'll, I'll tell you that in a second. So anyways, this woman is driving her car down the road. And in the back seat, she has this giant Hello Kitty doll. This like three foot tall Hello Kitty doll. One of her friends bought it for her for a birthday present. And so she has it in the back seat and it's just chilling there. But the woman gets in a horrific car accident and dies. After she'd been removed from the wreck, there's just this mangled car sitting there. And it's not like completely busted up, but you know, it's it's ruined, right? And the driver's dead. And the car is eventually taken to the scrapyard. I don't think the police, like, take it there that night. I think the family has a chance of, like, you know, getting stuff out of it or stuff like that. They're like, nope, not only is your daughter dead, but all of her belongings have become a cube in a junkyard. No, no, at some point, though, the car was taken to the scrapyard, and the Hello Kitty doll was in the car when that happened. And so from May to July 12th, that Hello Kitty doll was just sitting in the backseat of this car, the same car where the woman had died in. And for over a month, everyone who walked by the car would see there was a giant Hello Kitty doll in it, completely untouched. You couldn't even tell that it was in a horrific car accident, right? It wasn't covered in blood or anything like that. It was just sitting in the back seat. So that's how he knew. That's how Tony, was that, was that what I named him? That's how Tony knew that there is a Hello Kitty doll at the scrapyard. The question is, how did it get 20 feet away? So he's reviewing video, and the scrapyard is by a street. <laughs> Obviously, they don't airlift in the cars. By a street, the people walk down, and there's he finds us on video, and this is the video you'll see in the news reports. A man and a woman are walking down the street, and something catches their eye, and you see them walk over to the car, and the girl steals the Hello Kitty doll out of the backseat of the car, and then they walk off frame. They go home. Okay, that explains how it got out of the car, but how did it end up here in between these two cars? Like, when did that happen? So the scrapyard owner continues to watch video and he watches about 2 a.m. that night after the Hello Kitty doll was stolen. The same man from before 
And his little puppy are walking down the street super early in the morning, and he's carrying the Hello Kitty doll. He just drops it off. He just drops it in between two cars, turns around, walks away. The scrapyard owner realizes, I, I think I know what's going on. He had a theory. He goes, I bet you anything that the doll was haunted. Like, he just kind of had a feeling about that. And sure enough, according to reports, the suspects were identified. And when they were questioned about, well, we know you broke into this car and you took the doll. Why'd you bring it back? This is the story that we've heard as well. That night, that same night, they took that doll, right? They took the doll during the day. It's a very clear video. But when they when they went to bed that night, the woman saw a black figure, a black silhouette in the shape of a little girl standing in her bedroom. And then suddenly the woman began to feel some sort of force choking her. She couldn't breathe. She felt some sort of invisible presence in her room trying to kill her. And so she ordered her boyfriend to get rid of the doll. Get rid of <laughs> He was trying to choke her. He was all dressed in a green screen outfit. He's hoping he would blend in with the background. He's like, oh, I forgot to add the special effects in. He's like, yeah, honey, I will get rid. I'm such a brave boy. I will take this haunted doll and get rid of it. And so that's the video footage of them coming back and dropping it off. And so that's the story of the haunted Hello Kitty doll. Now, what's interesting is, so I read multiple sources on this. I first found it on Coast to Coast AM's website. It's a great website. It's one of the seven websites I check every single day. So many good stories from that website. So many great articles. And then I read two papers from Thailand. Two two websites from Thailand. One, I had to use translation and the, the grammar was all crazy. The other one was far more concise. It was written in English and it basically laid out the same story. I do have questions like, I don't know why we don't know anyone's names. I find it very Odd, I guess, that the police would bother investigating the theft of a Hello Kitty doll. It doesn't really say, did the scrapyard owner recognize him? Like, how did we get the second part of the story? I don't know. But we sure enough do have video footage. Whether or not, like, the ghost girl is an added detail, like, you know, because you do start to play a game of telephone at a certain point, I'm not for sure. But the articles say that that's what happened. But I, we know for sure that the doll was taken. And then a couple hours later, the doll was brought back in the middle of the night. So it does. Everything does kind of track. It's a creepy story. And this is a conspiracy theory I've talked about a lot on the show. I haven't talked about it in probably two, three hundred episodes. But this doll's gone now. I can almost guarantee it. I believe that there are organizations, either private collectors or government institutions that would want this doll Right, if you had something that was possessed, you would want it. I mean, think about it, dude. I dropped what was it, thirty dollars, twenty, thirty dollars to buy a haunted doll, and it's not haunted. I mean, I haven't seen anything here. Well, I say that now, and I'm constantly talking about ghosts in my apartment. But little Veronica, right? That's an old school again topic on the show. Somebody would want this, right? If this was provably a haunted thing, whether it be like Zach Baggins or like some other researcher or a collector of ghost stuff, or even like someone who collected stuff that was macabre, you know, a birthday present that was sitting in the back of the car and a woman was killed in the car. Or I also think that, I think, again, I, I don't I don't want to go too much off on a tangent. I've talked about this before, but we know that the government investigates UFOs. And we know the government investigates psychic phenomenon. I am sure, I will bet money, that the government also investigates demonic activity and ghosts. 
I, I really believe that. I think that no one will ever admit to it because it sounds so foolish. But I bet you there are people in the government, there is a government job, <laughs> there's a government job where you go around collecting items like this. I do believe that. That's one of my conspiracy theories. And it might sound like one of the more outlandish ones, but they investigate paranormal phenomenon like remote viewing and telepathy and things like that. And they investigate UFOs. So why wouldn't they investigate ghosts? Which could be technically our biggest national security issue is ghosts, right? They can walk into your base you know, like you're sitting there, you're guarding a bunch of nuclear bombs, and then this dude comes in, he's rattling chains, he's floating, little Casper guy's floating around, you're like, stop him! And he's like floating into the missile, and he's like pulling wires out and stuff like that. Like, whatever government controls ghosts first could totally win, right? Why do you need a remote viewer if you can just be like, go into the graveyard and be like, hey, you guys aren't doing anything, right? And the ghosts are like coming out and they're like, why don't you go spy on our enemies? They're the ones who killed you in the first place. And they're like, what? I thought I died of old age. You're like, yes, but old age wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Soviet Russia. So then you have these ghosts floating around and they're like floating around Russia and stuff like that. They're like poking their heads and like looking at battle plans. And then you could even have ghosts like scaring people, right? Like the Navy SEALs are getting ready to take a base and they're like, okay, go, go, go. And then like a ghost is floating in front of him. Ooh, it's like from Return of the uh, Return of the King or whatever it was. Oh, that scene was so dumb. I thought that was such, I never read the book. So I was like, what? A bunch of ghosts show up? They trained for this giant battle. They went on this giant mission and they're like, oh, let's get some ghosts to fight. You have a good, but no, I'm saying that maybe that's real. And then the ghost like goes into the base and the commander's like, okay, enemy troops, you go here. And then we do this stuff. You go over here and he's giving these plans and then he's like, now it's time to take a shower. While you guys are fighting, he's taking a shower and the bathroom's all steamy and stuff. And then like the ghost sneaks in and is like putting like spooky handprints on the window. And he's like, ah. And then it's writing stuff on the mirror like you're next or move all your troops to the west flank. And he's like, ah. And then he's so scared. He's like, okay, guys, go to the west flank. And then the Navy SEALs come in the other way. Maybe, Right. Okay, as ridiculous as that sounds, it would work, it would work, right? There's a bunch of military commanders listening to this episode. They're like, let's try this. That is insane. Let's try it. So I would totally, if I had the means, like if I, I was a government entity, I would totally try to get this doll, right? Little girl ghost, right? Choking out military officials, assassinating political leaders. They're like, sir, we don't know what killed this man. All we had was this Hello Kitty doll in the prime minister's office. We don't know if it's evidence or not. You could totally do stuff like that. What I have, did you, let's get back to let's get back to the real story. Let's get back to the stuff that's realistic and actually in the story. Woman dies in car, little girl ghost. I find that very interesting. Like if the haunting part of it is accurate, she didn't appear as the age she died. She appeared as the age of a little girl. That's just an interesting phenomenon, right? You could say skeptically, like, the reason why she saw a little girl because she thought it belonged to a little girl and her mind made up the image of a little girl and her mind made up the image of her being choked. But yeah, could a ghost show up as its younger form? Like that old lady from Titanic, right? She showed up as hot Kate Winslet instead of old lady. So maybe, maybe based on that documentary I saw, Titanic... Ghosts show up at different ages. That would suck to be like, yeah, I've lived to be 106. And then you die and you're like, oh, I wish I <laughs> wish I had died when I was 32, when I could actually like jog and stuff like that. 
I'd be a healthy ghost instead of an old spooky ghost. But who knows? Who knows? That's become my new catchphrase for this show because sometimes I'm like, I don't know how to wrap up that segment. I've kind of said everything. And otherwise, I'm just going to keep talking. Bishibashi, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind Thailand. We're going to head all the way out to the Philippines. We're in the Philippines. Specifically, we're in the city of Manila. It's May 10th, 1951, and it's a nice, warm evening, but there's a thunderstorm rolling in. So people know they better enjoy it while they can, because pretty soon it's going to rain. It's going to be spooky out. And on this night, there are two officers, two police officers are on a routine patrol, when all of a sudden they get a call for a disturbance at a local waterfront bar. So they're like, let's go. And they drive over there. And as they're getting closer to the bar, they see there's a crowd of people outside the bar. And they go, oh, that must be the disturbance. Something must be going on over there. So they jump out of the car and they run over. And as they're going over there, they hear a woman screaming, keep it away from me. Keep it away from me. Help me, help me, get it off me. And the cops are like, what in the world is going on? And they get into the crowd of people. They start pushing people away. And they see a young woman rolling around on the ground and everyone is just standing around her they have no idea what's going on now the police thought they would show up and you know like she'd be be getting attacked by a dog or another person or something like that right but they had no idea this woman was just going to be rolling around on the ground all by herself (laughs) they're all disappointed they're like oh i wanted to fight a dog tonight she's just rolling around on the ground and she just keeps screaming keep it away Keep it away. Why isn't anyone helping me? Keep it away. I can't stand the pain. Stop. Stop. The cops are like, okay, this woman's nuts, right? This must just be some crazy lady. We'll pick her up. They're on the back of the squad car. Take her to the hospital, police station. We'll figure it out, right? But before they can do that, as this woman is writhing on the ground, screaming about something that no one can see but her, the police officers and the other people in the crowd begin to see teeth marks appear on her body. Stop it! It hurts so... And they're watching. It looks like just someone is digging their teeth right into her neck. The unmistakable sight of a set of teeth biting into this woman, and they're watching these bites appear on her neck and on her arms. The officers grab the girl, and they pick her up, and they drag her to the car. And the entire time she's fighting them. Get them off me, please. Help me, help me. She's completely lost in this insane haze. And the officers don't know what to do. There's nothing attacking her, but they're clearly seeing the marks of an attack just appear on her body. They have to handcuff her because she's fighting them so hard. They handcuff her. They put her in the back of the squad car and they take off. They're driving at top speed back to the police station. I don't know if all police stations have this. I don't know. I've never heard of this before. But apparently there's a thing called a police doctor where it sounds like a great idea for a show, actually. It's a doctor who's at the police station who I imagine just like, what do you do? There's how often do you have to render medical aid to actually now that I think about it, it's probably a pretty good idea to have a trained medical expert at a police station because people are constantly coming in from fights getting roughed up by the police, car accidents, stuff like that, right? DUIs and things like that. 
So it would make sense, right, to have a police doctor. I don't know if they actually exist or maybe they did exist at one point. It actually seems like it'd be a pretty exciting job. But anyways, they go, let's take her to the police doctor. Driving down the road. On the loudspeaker, get out of the way, get out of the way. And get the police doctor, call the police doctor. It's like, what, what? We're just civilians. We're on the side of the street. Why are you telling us who to call? Car is driving down the road. Eventually they get her to the police station and the entire ride she's been screaming in the back seat save me save me they're gonna get me now again police deal with this type of insanity all the time but they're not used to seeing just bite marks appear on people so they still don't really know how to figure this out they take her into the station they take her into the police station and there's the police doctor he's sitting there i'm assuming just reading the newspaper or something we're just waiting for someone to come in injured and he jumps up and he takes a look at her at some point you're able to identify who this person is her name is clarita villanueva villanueva clarita villanueva right and the police doctor takes one look at her and goes I think she's just having a bad reaction to some drugs. That's what it looks like. And the police officers are like, yeah, we would think that too. But then the invisible bites started to appear. And the police doctor's like, what? what are you talking about? Invisible bites? The officers are like, yeah, I know. It's super weird. Apparently, not only do they have a police doctor at this police station, they have two doctors. Because another doctor came and saw her and goes, well, not only is drugs, I think it's an epileptic fit. I think she's having a seizure but anyways whatever the case is they don't know what to do with her right she's too violent to take to a hospital we'll just put her in the cell she'll be safe like if it is drugs she'll sleep it off if she's having a seizure hopefully she'll sleep it off we'll just put her in the cell so they drag her in there they take her handcuffs off they put her in the cell and at that point she's pleading with him don't leave me alone please 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 don't leave me alone in here and they're just shutting the cell door no please please don't leave me alone he's gonna come back he's gonna come back they walk away a couple minutes pass and it's a couple quiet minutes right the police station's a little quieter thunderstorm has grown a little closer outside but everything's quiet in the police station for a moment until she begins to scream even louder this time Screams are echoing through the police station. A couple of police officers run into the jail area to check on her, and they do not see anything except for her in the cell. And she is standing there screaming. She goes, he's in the cell with me. He's in the cell with me. You have to help me. You have to let me out. You have to let me out. He's going to get me. And there's just no one in there. And she describes this. Someone must have asked, who's in the cell with you? What does he look like? Because they don't see anything. And, and she described him as a man. He was floating in front of her. And he had large, bulging eyes. And a, and a cape. Which sounds dumb, admittedly. Right? <laughs> sounds stupid. <laughs> like you were hoping for some demon. You're over some horrible monster man. She's like, he looks like beyond description. Something from the darkest pages of the creepiest horror novel ever written. It's a dude with a cape and bulging eyes. So this is the man who was attacking her outside the bar. And the officers are like, oh, that's... <laughs> the officers are super disappointed. They're like, ah, oh, that is going to be spookier than that. 
And as they're complaining about her hellish hallucinations, all of a sudden more bite marks begin to appear all over her body. And now you don't have just the original two officers and the people outside the bar who are saying this and, you know, who knows what level of drunk they were. Now you have even more police officers clearly seeing these bites appear on her body. They summon the doctor. They bring the chief of police in. And they're like, listen, what the original officer said was true. They, this woman is just bites are appearing all over her body. And at that point, the doctor is looking at the bite wounds and he goes, these are not self-inflicted. Which <laughs> should have been obvious if she had bites on her neck. It's kind of hard to bite your own neck. The girl, she's in such a state of panic, but apparently the assault has stopped. She is was so freaked out about all this, she actually becomes exhausted and and passes out she just falls asleep and the doctor goes let her sleep tomorrow we'll take her to the hospital we'll see what's going on it seems to be fine now (laughs) as the doctor's walking away he's like making sure there's not a man with a cape floating behind him next morning she wakes up they're getting ready to take her to the hospital they call in an ambulance she's walking down the hallways of the police station she begins screaming again. This had ended once she fell asleep, and now she's screaming again. It's back! It's back! It's back! Oh no, it's back! And the police are now having to force her through the police station because she wants to run. She's put in the back of the ambulance. The police officers say, good luck, guys. This one's a weird one. Huh? The ambulance driver says, woo, woo, woo. Ambulance starts driving on the road, and the woman in the back is now screaming, There's two of them! There's two of them! And there are paramedics sitting in the back of the ambulance, and sure enough, they see these bite marks appearing on her body. Like, you now have had it spread over a long period of time. It's not a, it's not a rash, not a stress rash. We're seeing this phenomenon happen over and over and over again with entirely new sets of witnesses. They finally reach the hospital, and the attacks completely stop. And she's in the hospital for a couple days, and she's put under 24-hour guard. Because how else would you... You would know that this was impossible, but you're clearly seeing it happening. And multiple people are seeing it happening. Like, you know that, on the one hand, she must be crazy, but on the other hand, she's she's going crazy because she's being attacked by this invisible force. It's interesting, so we have these descriptions of these people, and I read and reread this story over and over again to try to figure out, so these attackers, the way I figured it out was this, the very first attacker, man, bulging eyes, a cape, and he could levitate, he was invisible, obviously, and he was biting her. The two attackers she described in the ambulance It wasn't clear if one of them was the same as the man with the cape because there was a bit of a different description, but the two attackers in the ambulance actually think were two separate entities apart from the first one. So it was almost like she was being attacked by a menagerie of these paranormal fiends. Um, The two attackers in the ambulance, one was described as a big, hairy human with black fur, black hair, sharp canine teeth, and a beard. And then the second one, oh, and that one also had feet three times the size as normal human feet. The second one in the ambulance was three feet tall, also black hair covering its entire body, and it was very ugly. So I don't know if she was implying the other two were kind of cute. It was hard to tell. I think it was three different entities, 
or the guy with the cape also was the dude with the giant feet and was all hairy. I'm, I'm un- I think it was three different entities, but that was the case of Clarita Villanueva. They never, it's interesting because on the one hand, listen, those creature descriptions sound like if you gave your nephew a pack of crayons and said, draw me a picture of a monster, that's what she, that's what he would draw, right? Just really goofy stuff that doesn't make sense. Oh, and he has bulging eyes and a cape. And you're like, oh, try again, buddy. And then he's all sweating. He's feeling the pressure. He's like, oh, I didn't know this was a test. Giant feet and hairy. I mean, technically that's Bigfoot. But you know what I mean? Like a beard floating around in an ambulance. Like the creature descriptions are kind of weird. We do have a date. We have an exact date. We have a name, which I always like. We have a location, which I always like. We have multiple witnesses. This story takes place over the period of time with multiple witnesses. Well, that's all we have. I got this story from thingaboutitdocs.com. And what gives this story really a lot of legitimacy is that this story was originally reported by one of the original pioneers of UFOlogy, a man named Frank Edwards. He was one he was one of the very first major media figures. It may have cost him some jobs, people feel, that who believed in the UFO phenomenon. Like 1947, like Kenneth Arnold flying his plane, saw a fleet of UFOs. He said they moved like if you skipped a saucer over the lake. He didn't say they looked like saucers. He actually thought they had like a boomerang shape. But because he used the term saucer, and I'm talking like a saucer. We don't really use them anymore, do we? Little saucer you put your teacup in. The term flying saucer is actually a misnomer. He said they moved. It's so interesting to think about that, right? The very first guy, the very first mass UFO sighting. This was long before Roswell became a national story, right? You just had the idea something might have happened in the desert of New Mexico. but And then no one ever talked about it again. Kenneth Arnold flying, he saw a fleet of UFOs. He said they moved like a saucer skimming on the water. So almost like they go up and down and up and down and up and down. They didn't glide. They didn't go faster. They didn't do these maneuvers that no plane could ever do before. They just had this weird movement to them. And from that term, we now have the word flying saucers and we have UFOs appearing as disks. But that's not what he saw. I find that so fascinating. I almost did a whole segment on that. But it was kind of boring. It was kind of dry. So I'm just talking about it a little bit here. But how someone can make... Like the Chupacabra does not exist. That's the one cryptid that I will flat out say doesn't exist. All of the Chupacabra stories can be traced back to one woman who was had some mental problems and she saw the movie Species and thought it was insider knowledge. She thought it was predictive programming. She thought the government was trying to tell us that the movie Species actually existed. And that's why the Chupacabra, the description of it is basically a short alien from the movie Species with the stuff coming out of the back of its head and stuff like that. Chupacabra, we can tell the person who first reported it. There's a famous book called, I think it's Hunting the Chupacabra or Chasing the Chupacabra. That's a government trying to be loud in their car so I don't reveal the truth. But so we know that that cryptid doesn't exist. Every story that is about the Chupacabra before that event is 100% made up. When they go, no, there's reports in 1800s. No, there weren't. They didn't exist. And any report going forward. And what's interesting, so I don't necessarily, if someone comes out and they find that their chickens have been mutilated, I'm not saying that that guy's lying. That might be a real phenomenon, but it's not a chupacabra. Chupacabras do not exist. They just don't. And so it's weird because people really like believe in that. But it doesn't exist. The Chupacabra, we know for a fact, does not exist. We can trace it back to one person. So when we look at the phenomenon of the 
UFO shaped like a disc, shaped like an, a turned upside down saucer. That's not what he said. That's not even what he saw. But when someone put that out there and the newspapers started running headlines, flying saucers, people then started to see what he was misquoted seeing. I find that so fascinating. So fascinating. It goes all into the world of tulpas and things like that. But anyways, Frank Edwards, 1947, like you had the Kenneth Arnold thing. Someone gave Frank Edwards a book. He was like mildly interested in paranormal phenomenon. Someone gave him a book about flying saucers about Kenneth Arnold. And this guy would, the equivalent to him nowadays would probably be like a, not not like content wise, not like, but reach wise would probably be on the level of a Tucker Carlson or Stephen Colbert or a, a big media personality, right? A big media guy, a Don Lamont type of figure. And he didn't he didn't just do news. He did all sorts of stuff, but and then he starts talking about UFOs. It would be a level of that when no one was talking about it. And people believe that it did cost him work. Right? Because people are like, dude, you're nuts. He began to write all these books about UFOlogy. And he became super, super into the phenomenon. He was one of the leading people who talked about this. So the fact that he researched this, that he was into this, adds it a ton of credibility. A ton of credibility. I find it super fascinating. Obviously, it's very scary. We don't even know. This is one of those things that doesn't even sound super alien. It sounds more spiritual. Sounds more demonic. Right? that type of assault, but who knows? It's one of those phenomenons that we don't see very often, right? It it sounds like a demonic attack. We actually just covered that story yesterday where the guy got his back scratched when he was recording the cursed album, but it's a terrifying event, and it's one that we don't have a key piece of information. What started this? You know what I mean? Like, And I want to know what started this so we can avoid it. Because if this woman was messing with some dark spirits, if this woman was reading the Necromenon, for example, or doing a Ouija ceremony out in the middle of a graveyard, or just opening herself up to dark influences, I'm not going to be like, ah, she deserved it. She deserved to get bit. But we would know, and we could avoid that stuff. But if this is just something that happened to her randomly, there's a bunch of people at a waterfront bar, they're watching a thunderstorm roll in, they're getting as many drinks as they can in them before they have to walk home in the rain. Out of all those people at that bar, these entity chose her to torment, chose her to devour. Like, why her? That's always the question when we look at these paranormal phenomenon. Why that person? Someone moves in a haunted house, they're going to have ghosts. Someone involves themselves in the dark arts, they're going to invite demonic activity into their lives. That's not always the case. You can steal the Hello Kitty doll and be haunted by the ghosts of the Hello Kitty doll. Or you could just be having a drink with friends one night and something latches onto you. That was my story, right? Remember, I'll put it in the show notes, that episode I did, Solar Plexus Clown Gliders. I just happened to be sitting in a courtroom. I had a college assignment. I had to go watch a trial and write a paper on it. And because I was in that room at a certain time, I feel like a dark energy latched onto me. And I suffered for quite a long time. I was in serious pain, back pain because of that. And then that caused a whole cascading effect. So did she invite this presence into her life or was she just chosen at random to suffer 
it's a creepy story because it's one that we'll never have that answer to. We'll never know why these devilish creatures chose her to torment. We can only hope if they're ever looking for another victim. It is in us. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.